Hello, product innovators. Today we learn from past senior industrial designer at Amazon on how to properly work with your product design team in prototyping your invention idea. You're listening to the Product Startup Podcast, the show that helps bring your product idea to life by chatting with successful inventors, product developers, manufacturers, and hardware industry professionals. Our goal here is to get to the bottom of what makes a product successful, from initial idea to getting your product on store shelves. We're taking you step-by-step to build a functional product and scale your product business. Hosted by Kevin Mako, one of North America's leading experts experts on hardware development for small product businesses. Now, onto the show. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to introduce Robert Irwin to the show. Robert is currently the lead industrial designer for Origin Consumer Appliances, a division of the multinational company Hire. He was the past senior industrial designer at Amazon for their shopping cart products. He's also a fellow lecturer in the design industry. Today, Robert is going to share some valuable knowledge on how inventors, startups, and small manufacturers can first understand how to manage your product design and prototyping team, then work with them to develop physical prototypes to perfect your product for both manufacturing and the end customer. Now, onto the episode. Hey, Robert, welcome to the show. Hey, Kevin, thanks for having me back. Uh, excited to be here to chat. Well, great to have you on again. We had a great conversation last time going over all sorts of stuff about the product design lifecycle, understanding how important it is and tips and tricks around product design. Today, we're going to expand that and talk about three main topics. Leadership EQ, which is really important in working with your design team, whether it's internal or whether it's with a design agency, there's a lot of common threads. Understanding your user and then the iterative loop and all these kind of weave together. So we'll get on to all these amazing topics. First and foremost, just give us a quick background of how you got to where you are today. So I'm going on almost 18 years now. So I could say it's been a, quite a circuitous loop of design and operations and product development, user-centered focused things. So all over the map, I've built furniture, I've designed tiny homes, was the lead designer for the Amazon Dash Carts. And now I'm designing vacuum cleaner technologies for Hoover. Just goes to show you the ID profession really can take many places. So very excited to be here and looking forward to it. Amazing breadth of history as well. And you saw some pretty amazing stuff happening at Amazon through some really incredible years there, uh, as well as developing that core technology, being the head of design there amongst many, many years of experience. So let's jump into it. Let's talk about leadership EQ. First of all, just to describe the audience, what is that and how does that apply to a design project for a hardware product? Right. I mean, I think this goes perfectly into the iterative loop that we'll talk about later. But for me to back up for a moment, to really invent and drive a product to fruition for a specific user, you, the leader or the inventor or whomever should think through having levels of empathy. And really, there's kind of the five things, five topics within leadership EQ, and that's empathy, social skills, self-awareness, self-regulation and motivation, mostly specifically to the research and understanding your user, I think empathy plays a huge role in developing the right product for the right people. And so that may look like something where you're not only just listening to the user and their feedback, but also people involved within your team. I think that when you create a team to develop a product, you hire those people because they have specific expertise in their areas, which come with some caveats that they have sometimes maybe some baggage on how they think things need to be made or created to make a good product. And so as a leader, having that empathy and understanding that will help you guide the product development in a much more efficient way and produce the products that are right for the right people. 
I like how you bring that up, looking at it with your design team, not just your user, because a lot of folks, if they're inventing a product or creating an idea or they're a product manager, uh, they think about the end user. This is the customer that we're talking about. And you probably have a lot of empathy for them because you've identified either a pain point that they're having or an opportunity that you can see for this user. So you put yourself in the shoes of the user. You imagine somebody using your product. You imagine all the things that are mm-hmm. happening, the wonderful innovations that you've brought to that person. Take that right. same frame of thinking, according to what Robert said here and apply it to your design team because you're really dealing with a crew of experts. If you think about the amount of designers and engineers it takes to make a product from that initial idea through to production, you've got visual design, industrial designer, customer researcher, materials engineer, mechanical engineer, tooling engineer. And if you've got electronics, you've got your electronics engineer, PCB designer, firmware designer, manufacturing engineer. So you've got like a handful of people that ideally they're experts in their craft. They're very good at what they do and they work well together and they're using modern and best practices. With all of that, you've got an incredible amount of talent at your disposal to make a great product. And I think what you're saying here is got to be careful as the inventor to, of course, bring your vision to the table, bring the dream to these folks, but also listen to their feedback. Yeah. And Kevin, I think that's a great point. I think there's, again, back to the the leadership EQ portion of self-awareness and the regulation of the the data that you're collecting for the product. You don't want to over-index on the team wholeheartedly, of course, right? You want to get out and get this thing into the hands of your target users and get feedback. You know, I think that as an example, there may be a feature or an attribute of this new thing that you've identified to be worthy of being in the environment for people to use. You've identified the pain point, so to speak. Now, when you go to build the thing and embed that feature, oftentimes you might not have integrated it in the way that the user might want it integrated. And so compartmentalizing features and functions is a very dangerous approach to product development. And that's where you get into the actual prototyping and getting it out into the field as fast as you possibly can to understand what you did right and what you're not quite hitting the bar you know, at that moment. Well, that's valuable insight. And it comes around to that physical world prototyping. I know you're a big fan of prototyping. Obviously, any design house or somebody who's been in the design industry for a long time understands the importance, the need for prototyping, not just for showing your real thing and getting all excited because that's the product. And now you can either sell it to investors or end users or whatever else. But more importantly, especially for your design and engineering team, it's using that prototype to gather feedback from multiple different stakeholders, as you're talking about, not just the end customer, the end customer, the internal designers, other stakeholders, yep. investors, the inventor, of course, themselves. You've got a number of different inputs here, which comes down to that leadership EQ you're talking about, looking at all these pieces of input and trying to put them together in the best light to actually create the best product. Talk a bit about what you've seen in terms of best practices in prototyping and that feedback loop. Yeah, I think this as a leader, someone who's driving the product development, you you really need to commit to your user. And the reason why I say that is you're going to have internal stakeholders that want it a certain way. But once you get it out in the field and you have practical data and insights that you've collected from users, you can use that data to effectively change, you know, the direction of the river of the product development, you know, internally to help guide the internal team to show them why they're not quite there yet with the product. That's one way to get into it. The users really are the holy grail at the end of the day. And I like looking at the different stakeholders and understanding, and this comes back to the empathy, understanding really where they shine. As the inventor, your job is the visionary and you're also the leader. 
Yep. This is your product, your baby, you're you're running with this thing. Right. The design team, they are generally focused primarily on technical ability. How do they actually right. use physics to create this product in a manufacturable way? Yep. So that's really their specialization. Yeah, your investor is trying to make money. So yeah. you have to understand that at some point, they're really looking at the lens of what's the most profitable avenue to money. And depending on the type of investor, it might be short-term or long-term, or there might be some other agenda there. It's important to understand what that is. But really the holy grail at the end of the day is the end user, because that's the person who's going to be both buying your product and reviewing your product. And that is the person that all of the stakeholders leading up to that point, hopefully you found that perfect balance in between that everybody's satisfied and the end user loves it. They want to buy it and they rave about the features. Of course, the prototyping process is where you can start to figure out whether or not the theories and all of that stuff that you've put together from your design team and all these various stakeholders make sense to that actual end buyer. Right. Yeah. I think said also in another way, you can't technically solve something as a feature with an expect the non-technical mind to love it out of the gate. Because your user most of the time is not a very highly technical, making rational decisions on how they use the product. And so getting it into their hands and seeing literally how they're using this thing helps you kind of dismantle your internal biases on how it technically should be solved. I like how you mentioned that in terms of understanding really what the user is wanting at the end of the day and applying it to that feedback loop. Because there's two things that are happening with a prototype. One, it's does the user like the features? Do they like the product? Is it helping solve the pain point or yep. identify the opportunity? But on the flip side, especially for the engineering team, they're figuring out, can this thing work and be built? Right. Both of those are important. <laughs> and a lot of the times people aren't looking at either of the two of them, or they're looking only at one or the other. But you have to yep. remember, both of these things are required to make a great product. It must be manufacturable in a robust quality, reasonably cost-efficient manner, and it mm -hmm. must be satisfying to the customer. So that they're willing to buy it. And then they give you good reviews at the end of the day for how happy they are that they have it, which then exactly. feeds the machine to grow. Exactly, Kevin. Yeah. This kind of feeds into the kind of iterative loop scheduling your product development time in such a way that you know, I think one practically outlines for the internal team, we understand that we're not going to get it right out of the gate. And so sometimes what that means is doing practically making cardboard mock-ups and getting a group of people together. You start very high level, right? You start like, is the size weird? Does it work in your hand? Does it, you know, X, Y, Z. And then you start to kind of distill the more of the nuances of the product as the prototypes become higher fidelity. And so I think a lot of teams get caught up in, in thinking that they need to make a fully functional thing to get it in front of a customer to get real feedback. In reality, you can compartmentalize the process and break it down into a few constituent parts as you develop it to identify, are you on the right track, at least in a broad sense? And then when you start to converge with higher fidelity prototypes, that second loop, the third loop, you start to dig into more of the details and nuances of say the user interface or where the buttons are placed, et cetera, et cetera. We've talked about this a few times on the show. It's the concept of skipping prototype steps. A lot of, especially first-time product developers or people who this is the first hardware product they've developed, they get this notion that they come up with this great design, which really is the core foundation in any great product. You do have to have really well thought out, good quality design, at least to start with. It needs yeah. to be a good product. Yeah. So you've got your digital design and the assumption is, okay, well, let's just make an amazing prototype and we'll use that both to sell product, to raise investment and to test it before we go into production. Mm -hmm. The reality is, unless you're making a fork, it's 
not going right. to be likely that putting new technologies together and creating a new product that has new innovations and new features is going to be able to be figured out in one prototype round. A prototype isn't all encompassing. There's yeah. stages to it. And this is what Robert's talking about. There's stages in the early one, rough 3D printed or even hacked together, carved out prototype, something to get the basics of the design that you've got, the theory, the digital theory translated into something physical to make sure the physical theory is somewhat relevant to the digital theory. But then it expands, as he mentions, into higher fidelity prototypes from there. You go into figuring out the mechanics from there, and then you go from there into figure out the fine-tuned detailing. Then you go from there into figuring out the manufacturing. And that's just on the technical side. On yeah. the front side, you can use each round of those prototypes to learn from your prospective customers. And this doesn't mean you have to spend big bucks on getting consumer right. research groups together. This could be a couple friends or a couple people that you think might be relevant, people that you yeah. signed a non-disclosure agreement with if you're worried about your intellectual property. So there's ways to do this kind of in a startup or a small business mentality, but you should be using both these tools on the opportunity from the buyer and also the mechanical engineering, how it's going to get made together at each prototype round, iterating from simple to more complex. Yeah, absolutely. This iterative process, and it baffles me how, to your example, how many teams actually do this skipping the, the iterative process. And for me, this feedback loop that you create and you bake into your process is basically de-risking the failure of your product when you launch, right? Why would you not want to touch base with your customers along the way, take the time to do it so that once you spend all the money paying for the molds, shipping, supply chain, manufacturing, assembly, that's buku bucks. So doing all this you know, research, you know, you're de-risking the failure or success of the product on the outset when you launch. So we look at it as like a 10 to one multiplier. Whatever yeah. money you spend today will be one-tenth the cost of the cost of that failure down the road. So if you're in prototyping and it's going to cost you 10 grand to spin up another prototype, that will be a $100,000 mistake down the road if that prototype could have been used either to identify a solution with your customer or they found something that you didn't see, maybe that would be a problem, or yeah. especially from a design perspective or on the mechanics of it. There's just something that wasn't flushed out enough in the engineering phase to truly understand how it would work. So you have a product that's partially functional when you actually go to production. Far more expensive to solve the problem then than it is to just address the problem early and do it properly. Yeah. And there's one other facet to this development process. Is it's specifically tailored to the conversation of your target users. And so I've seen so many times people have this great idea and they think that it will solve a problem for X user or X target group. And once you get into the realm of testing, you end up finding out that, oh, this doesn't work for the casual bicyclist that uses this thing from here to there. It's more for the on-the-go mom with three babies. And then what that helps you do is pivot your marketing. It pivots your perspectives on CMF. There's a huge avenue to go down once you understand that target user group and understanding which group you should go after. Very valuable insights, Robert. Uh, before I let you go, is there anything else that uh, you'd recommend, uh, especially for an earlier stage company that's going through the hardware development process that you think really helps tilt the odds of success in their favor? It's a big question. I think you need to be okay with failure, but failing often to get to the solution quicker. You know, I think so often that you want to kind of protect the baby that you're making and not break it along the way. But I'll tell you, the more times you break it along the way, the quicker you'll get to an actual product that will last and uh, create something good in the world that you want to see happen. Yeah, that's a brilliant piece of advice. The prototype is always such a magical moment for 
an inventor, but the engineers, what they really want to do with it is break it. And that's where they're <laughs> learning their best yeah. information. Where are the weaknesses that weren't foreseen in the FEA analysis and the CAD software and some of the simulations that we ran? Where does the digital technology end and the physical technology start in terms of solving that problem from a technical perspective? Yeah. So use that prototype. Yes, of course, as an amazing moment and milestone, and you can use it in many ways in your business, but also think about it from the engineer's perspective. They want to use that to figure out what's not working. And that's Absolutely. almost more valuable to figure out, especially on the design for, to manufacturing side than it is to figure out what is working. You bet. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't Robert, agree. thanks so much for joining us again. Uh, much yeah, appreciated yeah, for your words of wisdom, and we'll talk soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me and appreciate it. Thanks. Take care. See you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast, the show that teaches you what it really takes to bring your product to market and turn it into a big success. This podcast series is brought to you by Maco Design and Invent, the original and leading firm in North America to provide global caliber end-to-end physical consumer product development to startups, inventors, and small product business clients. If you're looking for product development help on your invention, head over to to macodesign.com. That's M-A-K-O design.com for a free consultation from one of Maco Design's four design studios from coast to coast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.